greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production.
Hello and welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. I'm your host, JP John Paz, here on the TNP TV feed, a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. Each and every week here on the Hogan Era Podcast, we're talking about the greatest era ever in the history of the wrestling business, 1984 to 1993, known as the Hogan Era. A lot of people will call it the Golden Era of Professional Wrestling or the era that made Vince McMahon a retired billionaire. Each and every week here on the show, we're talking about some of the greatest feuds, moments, matches in that Hogan era, which means pretty much of all time. When you're looking at the Hogan era and you're really kind of looking at the grand scheme of things and the scope of it, so many of these matches and moments live on forever. I mean, you just remember stuff, whether it's Hogan wearing that stupid war bonnet thing and, and, you know, and getting that over because now they're making action figures. And I saw how popular that, that figure is going to be. And, you know, they're making all this stuff from that era and that era is selling so great. So it's one of those things where you have an emotional investment to that era. You just absolutely love that era of professional wrestling. And I feel like that's what today's wrestling is probably missing. And not to go too much into that, but you're not emotionally invested. Yeah, these guys are great athletes. They can do great things, but you're not emotionally invested. You don't care if they win or lose like you really care during the Hogan era. I mean, you were really super invested in the immortal Hulk Hogan. You were living and dying by him winning and losing. I remember WrestleMania six vividly. It was a kid. It was seven years old. Just absolutely loving the Hulkster. When he lost the Ultimate Warrior, I was heartbroken. I mean, I hated Ultimate Warrior for years after that. Hell, I rooted for Macho Man the year after to retire him. I still hated him, and I felt so bad because you were so emotionally invested. And even years later, when he fought The Rock, I know it's post-Hogan era, obviously, but in 2002, WrestleMania 18, I was super into it. and was getting super excited and really felt like, uh, you know, you're a kid again. You're a Mark again. When he hits that leg drop, literally out of your seat, one, two, oh, he kicked out. I mean, you're, you're so into it. And obviously the crowd was as well. So it's one of those things where Hogan made you emotionally invested. The guys today, oh, yeah, you know, they could do this, they could do that. But they're not getting you into the product like they did during this great era from 1984 to 1993. And obviously people fell in love with not only wrestling, but they fell in love with the Hulkster at that point in time. So here on the show today, we're going to talk about some rare matches that you may not be too familiar with, or maybe you haven't seen, or maybe you didn't hear of or weren't aware of, but you should definitely go out of your way and see it. There, of course, will be a few matches here. We're really going to be talking about three in particular, but we're talking about Hawk, we're talking about Animal, we're talking about the Road Warriors. That was kind of the ultimate matchup, if you think about it, Hulk and maybe whoever versus Hawk and Animal. They were the team of the 80s. They were the you know known as the greatest tag team of all time, the Road Warriors. Maybe the greatest team of all time for sure. If not, they're definitely in your top five, top ten. There's no doubt about that. Then you think about Hogan. He's the greatest of all time. He's got to be in your top one, top two, maybe. Obviously, we're talking about Matt Rushmore guys here when we talk about Hulk and we're talking about the Road Warriors. So if they were to clash, it's like, wow, how did that happen? Where did that happen? When did that happen? I want to see that because they were just the two big-time acts of the 80s and into the 90s. And it's like, man, when the hell did they cross paths? Well, they did cross paths for sure. And we're going to get into that just in one second. But before that, I wanted to talk about the Road Warriors themselves. Obviously, 
you know that they're NWA tag champs, AWA tag champs, IWGP. I mean, they did it all. They were just the greatest tag team of all time. They have such great accolades. They have just an unbelievable resume. It's just a, a unbelievable run. They, not IWGP um, tag champs. It's really more of the Hellraisers were, and Animal wasn't a part of that. Obviously, Hellraisers was Hawk and Sasuke, but Hawk still IWGP tag team champion. Just an unbelievable run for those guys. Two-time WWF World Tag Team Champions, of course, WWE Hall of Famers as well, NWA Hall of Famers. But when you really kind of just look at the run and look at what they were able to do, it's just unbelievable where they were able to go and what they were able to do. All Japan, of course, tag champs as well. Just, you know, you can't say enough of good things about the Road Warriors and what they were gonna, what they were able to do. The Road Warrior Pop if you will, which was known as one of the, the big things. If you were going to get this unbelievable acknowledgement from the crowd, you can get this big pop. They said if it was a, a, a big one and the loudest one, hey, that's a Road Warrior pop. And eventually, I think a lot of people would call it the Hogan pop. And I think a lot of people would also call eventually later on, many years later, call it the Steve Austin pop. So they are associated with some of the greatest crowd reactions ever. When you hear that theme music, there's no mistake in it. You're absolutely... No, it's the Road Warriors, and you're absolutely going to be up and out of your seats. So, yes, they had a great run prior to WWF, and I think that was their big run. A lot of people remember they started out in Georgia Championship Wrestling, made a big name for themselves in AWA, huge name for themselves in New Japan, and then just kind of made themselves an absolutely enormous name in the NWA for Jim Crockett Promotions from about 1986 to about 1990. They were six-man tag team champions. They were NWA tag team champions. They won the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup in 1986. And they really had some great feuds with Arn and Tully, the Midnight Express, the Powers of Pain. I think everybody will remember most of what they did quite fondly in the NWA. So when they go to leave the NWA, it's almost like... Where do they go? Because the WWF had the demolition access match, which was kind of obviously their own version of the Road Warriors. They did it differently, and they did it uh, in, a, in a completely different manner, in a different way. Demolition was more of the Lord Humongous Road Warrior character, and Hawk and Animal more the Wes character as far as looks wise goes but they you know you knew the sense that they were trying to go for the road warrior movie and they were trying to go for the road warrior hawk and animal look because hey they were the most overact in another territory they're huge why don't we create our own which is a Vince McMahon staple and we're going to do it our way and do our own thing and you know let's see how it reacts and demolition man they were over like rover probably arguably the greatest tag team in WWE history they had one of the longest tag team runs in history, of course, was eclipsed by the New Day, and it was soon to be eclipsed by the Usos, who are soon going to be the longest-running WWF tag team champions of all time. The New Day stuff is embarrassing and should have never happened, but that's a different story for a different day, whatever. But as far as Demolition, they had that record for, God, 30 years plus of being 400-plus days of a tag team title run, so they were enormously successful. So... What do they do? They kind of phase them out as their, you know, Axe is getting older and Smash is kind of, you know, maybe working his way out. They bring in Crush. They think that he's going to be the replacement for Axe. doesn't quite work out that way, but they're still there. So what do you do? You bring in Hawk and Animal. Of course, when Vince McMahon brings them in, 
they don't have the Road Warriors moniker. Yes, they're Road Warrior Hawk, Road Warrior Animal, but they don't call them the Road Warriors because Vince wants to own the name. And there were other warriors in the company. They would call Kerry Von Erich, a.k.a. the Texas Tornado, excuse me. They would call him the Modern Day Warrior. And, of course, one of the most popular acts in the company was the Ultimate Warrior. So they kind of didn't want to use Road Warriors while also Vince wanted to own the name. So when they debut on July 15, 1990, a part of Wrestling Challenge, they are the Legion of Doom. They are the Road Warriors no more. Just an interesting thing, though, there, because it's like, okay, we know them as Road Warriors. Let's just call them Road Warriors. But LOD really caught on. Crowd chants LOD like crazy. It's one of those things where, I don't know, I didn't mind it as much. Like, yes, they're really the Road Warriors. Yes, they really should be known as, you know, the Road Warriors. But I don't know, I didn't, it didn't bother me too much that they're known as uh, the Legion of Doom in the in the WWE. So I don't know why. It, that just never bothered me because you can still call them Road Warrior Hawk and Road Warrior Animal, and obviously they're going to change the theme music, and the theme music is freaking awesome. Um, you know, ah, what a rush, and everybody remembers it and got a huge pop. So to me, that doesn't kill it too much for me, and, and I kind of, I don't know, I, I for whatever reason, that doesn't bother me as much. And, hey, maybe it should, but it just absolutely it does not. I, I kind of like them being called the Legion of Doom. So they made their debut at that wrestling challenge, but the first match that they had was 8-7-1990, a part of wrestling challenge number 210. Springfield, Massachusetts, Hawk and Animal defeated the legendary tag team of Barry Hardy and Dwayne Gill. Their next match, they're going to beat a couple jobbers named D.K. Broch and Paul Perez. Then, you know, they're going to go through and they're going to beat a bunch of other teams. They're going to start working house shows with the Ultimate Warrior, defeating the three-man team of Demolition, Axe, excuse me, Axe Crush, and Smash. So, you know, they're going to kind of move along and move their way up. There's a big MSG match on 9-21-1990. LOD and Ultimate Warrior defeated Axe, Smash, and Crush of Demolition in 12 minutes, 30 seconds in New York City on MSG Network. So they're moving on up to the big times. And if you really look at it, I mean, you're not going to put them, you know, in the mid card or whatever you want to say. I mean, they're going to they're going to get a significant role right away in the WWF. There's just no doubt about it. So they're the Legion of Doom. They're LOD. They're getting over. They're starting a feud with Demolition, which was kind of the natural feud. You kind of saw that coming and expected that. You know, right off the gate, you expected that to happen. Survivor Series 1990, 11-22-1990, Hartford Civic Center in Hartford, Connecticut. The Ultimate Warriors, the Warrior team, which many consider this to be the greatest Survivor Series team of all time. Ultimate Warrior, Texas Tornado, Hawk and Animal, defeat Mr. Perfect and Demolition Axe, Crush and Smash in about 14 minutes and 30 seconds. To me, it's got to be considered one of the greatest Survivor Series teams of all time. I know Hulk, uh, Hulk, Jake, and Demolition, obviously, is considered one of the greatest teams of all time. My favorite, Survivor Series 88, Mega Powers, Hulk, Macho Man, Hillbilly Jim, Coco, and Hercules, just for me. So, you know, you can say what you will. It's obviously um, subjective, but uh, a lot of people say that that Warrior team is a great Survivor Series team of all time, and the Warriors do win that one, of course. They do have a little brief feud with the Orin Express, beating them in a lot of two-on-three handicap matches, including... 
Kato Tanaka and Mr. Fuji. So as we kind of roll along and move along, they do start a feud with the Nasty Boys, and they're going to win the WWF World Tag Team Championship at Survivor Series 1991. If you rewind back to WrestleMania 7, they had a brief win over a great underrated and unappreciated team in Power and Glory, Paul Roma and Hercules. That was basically a quick squash match and kind of, you know, building up to what would be a, a great SummerSlam match against the Nasty Boys. 826-91, a match made in heaven, a match made in hell, Madison Square Garden, New York, New York. LOD defeated the Nasty Boys, Knobs, and Sags in about eight minutes to win the Tag Team Championship. Absolutely amazing pop for that one, and he absolutely had to love that there as, you know, they, they deserve to be the world tag team champions. And you kind of saw that coming because it's like, where do you go from there? I mean, they, they got to be tag team champs. They need to be tag team champs. They're the greatest tag team. They're the most over tag team. Just uh, an unbelievable pop there that night for the road warriors. If you look at the tag team title run for them, not necessarily a long run, a long one for them. Maybe it kind of should have been. It's one of those things where I don't know, like maybe it wasn't destined to be a long run or they didn't foresee it being a long run, but they did hold the titles for 165 days before losing it randomly on a house show to Money Inc. IRS and Ted DiBiase. And that house show was in Denver, Colorado, February 7th, 1992. Money Inc. would then go on to hold those titles for about 165 days as well. They lose to Natural Disasters, Money Inc., win it back, and then we go on from there as far as the title run. But it's just interesting kind of to note that that's kind of, you know, that's the only title run of that era. Of course, they'll win it again when they return after the Hogan era. And then we have LOD basically feuding with Bo and Blake Beverly, the Beverly brothers, after that. And Paul Ellering joins the fracas as Paul Ellering and the LOD defeat the Genius and the Beverly Brothers on quite a few house shows and other shows of the like. Nothing big, nothing important, but it's weird. It's like, okay, LOD's there. They feud with Demolition. They feud with the Nasty Boys. They feud with Orient Express, Power and Glory, and the Beverly Brothers. But that's kind of it for them as they end up losing the tag titles to Money, Inc., and you know, and they'll kind of go on from there. And Money Inc. has their different feuds, but we'll go to SummerSlam 829-1992, SummerSlam 92, Wembley Stadium, London, UK, big match to kick it off. LOD defeated Money Inc. in about 12 minutes. Great match, good stuff. But when you go back and watch it, Hawk was a little out of it. He had some issues and, and some problems. So, yes, the match is awesome. Yes, it kicks off the show. Yes, they come out in the great old motorcycles stupidly with Rocco and I absolutely hated that. And that made no sense. And it completely killed the road warriors to have the Rocco character, which is so WWE like to do that cartoon bullshit. I mean, just so stupid and corny. I know they hated it. I know Paul Ellering hated it, but that was Vince's idea to make it more kitty and more cartoon and make him more relatable to kids. But man, that just kind of hurt them. And that just sucked. And I didn't like it, but LOD wins there and animal continues on with the motion for a few months before his contract runs out. But here Hawk is fired because he's having some drug problems and some behind-the-scenes issues. So no more Hawk here after SummerSlam 92, and that's the exit. That's the last match in the Hogan era before they end up in WCW and then WWF again in 1997. But, man, 
what a crazy thing. They win a big match, SummerSlam 92, LOD on top of the world, and boom, Hawk's gone, and Animal's gone soonly thereafter. But let's talk about basically what, what's going to happen with Hogan and the Hogan feud with them, because it's just brief, just three matches, but we'll go to Royal Rumble 1991, 1991-1991, the pay-per-view from Miami, Florida, at the Miami Arena. Hogan ends up winning the Royal Rumble match that also includes Hawk and Animal. So just had to mention that, which is very cool. Love that Royal Rumble match. One of my favorite matches. It's awesome. Obviously, if you haven't seen it, go out of your way to see it, but that's awesome. One of my favorites. So then, on 3-30-1991, the big SWS WrestleFest Tokyo Dome show. It's a big one, folks, and we'll probably have a, a separate episode kind of covering this on its own. And we'll really kind of we'll, we'll delve further into this. But the Road Warriors of Hawk and Animal defeated Tenru and Hulk Hogan in 14 minutes via countout. So a huge match here. Yes, the Road Warriors did face Hogan in the Hogan era. That's kind of a, a huge deal and something that maybe a lot of people in the States didn't know or they forgot or they missed it. But man, that's one of the things where it's like, holy shit. And obviously the LOD had a bunch of matches in the SWS during this era as SWS Tenru's promotion in Japan was making the deal and making a relationship with the WWF. So they did have a, a bit of a, a talent exchange, but SWS WrestleFest here on 3-30-1991 Tokyo Dome sold about 36,000 people. All Japan, New Japan were huge at this point. So SWS kind of sneaking in the market and trying to capture some of that audience by using the WWF star power for sure. And there's a bunch of other big matches, Macho Man's in the card, Texas Tornado, Mr. Perfect, Haku, DiBiase, Earthquake, but known as John Tenta, their Heart Foundation, the Rockers, Demolition, they're all on the card. So it's a huge card here, main evented in a great match. The Road Warriors defeated Tenru and Hulk Hogan by a countdown. That's the only match with Hawk and Animal and Hogan outside of Royal Rumble together. But they is another match, 9-23-1993, part of the G1 Climax Special. This was night three, Yokohama Arena, Yokohama, Japan. Great Muta and Hulk Hogan team up together to defeat the Hellraisers, which is obviously Road Warrior Hawk and the Power Warrior in about 15 minutes and 30 seconds. Of course, Power Warrior is Kensuke Sasaki. That's another great match. Go out of your way to kind of see that. Really good stuff. Different style in Japan than you're normally used to in the U.S. from the Hulkster. So very rare stuff and obviously post-Hogan era, a part of the World War III pay-per-view in 1995, Hawk and Animal we're going to be a part of that as well as far as just separately, uh, you know, uh, some some uh, World War Three stuff there. When you really kind of look at it, yes, they're going to cross paths and stuff, but really 1991 Royal Rumble and WrestleFest is really the only where only place you're going to see Hogan and the Road Warriors have a match against each other. Unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. Go out of your way. It should be available. If it's not on Daily Motion, I believe it's on YouTube. If it's not on YouTube, go to Daily Motion, YouTube, uh, maybe the Hulk Hogan archive. There's a bunch of different spots, but it might be hard to find. But I believe it's out there because I was watching it. Um, Google it, actually. Use your Google there. Uh, to find Hulk Hogan and Tenru versus the Road Warriors. But that's it for this week. Let's 
head towards the plugs. You follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com and Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire, or go to tpublic, tpublic.com slash store slash tmpt, and you'll find a great Hogan era shirt over there. You'll absolutely love that. But thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you right back here next week for a little Hogan era podcast. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother. Yeah, let's take you now. The tag team title will be on the line. Gentlemen, if you don't mind, LOD versus the Nasty Boys. And the Nasty Boys have got a great, great opportunity here because surely also on the mind of Legion of Doom is the Survivor Series, which is due very, very shortly indeed. Well, taking place in less than three weeks now, Wednesday night, November 27th, Thanksgiving Eve. Now, these two tag teams will be involved in two separate encounters, but there is no love lost between these duos. And the only thought on their minds right now, get the tag team belts back. Oh, they want that desperately. I'm looking for some really exciting action in this match because the Nasty Boys, they are great tacticians in the ring. Legion of Doom have a lot of power, a lot of strength, a lot of skills. But the Nasty Boys have some particularly nasty maneuvers that have spelt doom for those who face them. Well, it really says a lot for the Legion of Doom's confidence, Lord Alfred Hayes. The fact that they believe that there's no chance the Nasty Boys can take their belts away, that they would give them this shot. Yes, and we did see a smile of just utter confidence on the face of Hulk a little while ago. There's incredible power displayed there by Animal. Knobs is lifted right off his feet. And another example of how well the Nasty Boys work together. Jerry Sags provides the distraction. Brian Knobs takes full advantage of it. Misses twice. Shoulder block.
series spectacular takes place on pay-per-view television, you're going to have a seat right inside the ring, practically. From a safe distance. Yes. In your living room. It doesn't get any better than that, Lord Alfred. It certainly doesn't. Oh. Hawk. Devastating in the ring. Reverse here. Slow up with the boot. But there was a purpose behind that. And Jerry Sags fell for it. Back in, Sags waiting. Yes, nice strategy there by Sags. Waiting for Holt to come back in. He knew he was going to follow him back in and caught him as he was coming through the ropes. But was it enough? Well, no, it wasn't. Dobbs makes a mistake of trying to come in to save his man. And he got looked where he was going. Yes, he got dealt with quite easily then by Holt. Holt really on top of his form. He's showing such good, good shots to us now inside the ring heavy powerful right-handers and hard into the steel post and then goes completely out of the ring brian knobs grabs a chair slams it across the back of hawk not only did he take an incredible blow to the shoulder chair across the back and now being double teamed by both members of the Nasty Boys. Oh gosh, what a, a damaging blow that was, delivered by both the Nasty Boys. In the beginning, that chair, they spiked him with the steel legs of that chair across the back, and now they really hammered his back into the steel apron. Hawk must be in a lot of trouble, Sean. Hawk is one massive superstar, but no man here in the WWF can take that abuse. But he tights back. Incredible resilience. Knobs attacks from behind. Hawk in trouble again. Well, even though Hawk fought back then against Sags, and Knobs came out and nailed him, it seems that his strength is ebbing slightly, if that is a possibility, with the Legion of Dumas. Folks, definitely not behind the Nasty Boys here at Fort Wayne. Champion cover! Whoa! I was just about to say the championship at stake right there, but somehow or other, Hawk managed to avoid that three count. victory it would be if the Nasty Boys could get the win and march into Detroit with the World Wrestling Federation tag team belts around their waists. Absolutely. Tell me one thing, Sean. Hawk has been in there a long time. Do you think this is part of a preconceived plan? They're trying to drain the strength from both of the Nasty Boys and then he can tag in a very, very fresh animal. I can't imagine that, Lord Alfred Hayes. The Nasty Boys are just so dangerous. How could you take a risk like that? Well, I don't know, but I was just wondering if that was a possibility. Well, Animal has been out of the ring a long time. Because Saving up. the teamwork of LOD is so precise, so good, that they seldom stay in this long. Power slam. Here's a goal. He doesn't, doesn't get a cover. Hawk. No, I mean, Weaker than we yes. thought. Weaker, yes. I'm inclined to agree with you now. I don't think that this is part of a preconceived plan on their part. I think they've just trapped and he just cannot escape from this. Two elbows right to the chest. Hawk down again. 
Ref never saw that double team action. And Hawk looking definitely very, very weary. He's moving very slowly and sort of in a daze. Lifts it up and body slam. And now the nasty boys picking the way they want to dictate the terms of this match. Now Brian Knobs checks in, goes up to the second rope. Hawk brings up the boot. Slams it right into the chest of Knobs. Oh, beautifully done. Needs to make a tag here. A super and there it is. And it comes a very fresh animal. And a, very, <laughs> a very fine up animal, too. Talk about a snap to that clothesline, Lord, Lord Alfred Hayes. There's the shoulder block. And nobody does that better than animal. Power slam. Hooks away. Referee moves in. Zags comes in and breaks it up. And off decides that's enough. at Survivor Series. There is probably no way that would happen if, in fact, we stay with the current four-on-three format. Five. Try five. What was the question? You know that little runt? You know that little runt, Jimmy Hart's going to be there. Well, that's somebody you got to watch. And the snake makes at least another six. half. That's six. Yeah. yeah. At least a half. So if Jack Tunney doesn't step in and replace Sid Justice with someone, you're going to have... A massacre. It's, it's, a massacre. It's, it's simple. No, this, this, is this is humor. It's good humor, real good. Uh, good humor. It's simple. If Savage wants to be reinstated, and if he's going to have to find somebody to take Nightheart's part, all they have to do is grease his palm. Because you know Tony's on the no, take. But not That's everybody's you do like you. Would you please stop that? That's why you do business with Tony. You've been doing business with him for years. So have you. You're so have you. So have you. And you certainly have to. Not, I know you have. Well, you obviously never got anywhere with him. You never went to your pocket for anything. I have. Well, he sure has. Uh, 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 well, the speculation continues. We'll be back as we continue with more prime time. You're watching USA, America's favorite cable network.